0: Hello, I'm uh, Pastor Dave. For those that uh, don't know me, one of my areas of responsibility here at the church is uh, children and family ministry. And I had a couple of the children's uh, workers, servants downstairs, remind me to to remember them this morning. Uh, So I want to take a moment and remember them. I don't think this moment is what they were talking about. I think they were thinking more about the end, like how long I go is what they meant But I want to take a moment right now and remember them and remind you of them um, because uh, I I really appreciate them. I appreciate what they do. I appreciate all the work that they do in in helping uh, the children of Trinity Baptist Church sing praises to God, hear his word, and learn about him. And ultimately, and hopefully, come to know him uh, as their Lord and Savior. So I'm, I'm very thankful for all of those who serve in so many faithful ways. This morning, the first through fifth graders are doing the story of Samson's downfall. Now, if you know the story of Samson, he had great strength because why? No, people going hair. No. So I saw someone going like this. He had great strength because God, God gave him great strength. And so as we think about that, as we think about where our strength comes from, where our hope comes from, let's remember that. It's not in long hair. Thank you, God. (laughs) But it's in his great power. So take your bulletins um, and take a pencil. We're going to correct the bulletin. If you're looking at the if you're at home you can look at the PowerPoint. You'll see the corrections we're going to make here. But we need to fix the title on the bulletin. And this is not because Barbara made a mistake. She did exactly what I told her to do. The title, as it appears, is this. Self-help with uh, some spaces there. But something is missing. And it's not... Don't write anything down till I tell you. It's not a hyphen. Do you understand that? It's not... Put this, this is not the title, this next one here, this idea of self-help. That's not the title. This sermon is not a self-help, motivational, pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps kind of message. God is the only one. He's the one who can change your heart. He's the one that can help you. And we need to understand that we need help. We need to trust in Jesus. The title this morning, and you can correct it on your bulletins here, Is this self, comma, you need help. You need help and and you need to remind yourself of that. And we need to remind one another of that. We need help. God has called us to um, do great things for his glory. And we need to do that in his power and his strength. This is a call out to God. God. Because you need him more than you even know. He is provided for your biggest need in Jesus Christ. That's the message this morning. That's the message, hopefully, every morning that you come here. Is that we need to worship God, rely upon him, and trust in Jesus. The fighter verse is... Um, it, it's a, Scripture memory program, we did them during the summer. Um, they're part of the, uh, the prayer update page that we send out. They're uh, in there praying the word. There, it's a scripture memory program designed to help fight sin. Um, the first five weeks of 2023 are some good reminders for us. I want, I want to go back and look at January 1st's verse. It's Joshua 1.9 which is the verse we looked at in children's church a couple of weeks ago. It's also a memory verse for the uh, after-school Bible Club program um, that Rochelle and uh, many others in here serve and help at. Uh, so this is, this is the verse for, for Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong? You can't say it. Like if you're doing Bible Club stuff, you have to do motions, right? So it's be strong and courageous. Uh, I, I'm losing my mind here as I'm standing up here. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You think about that great reminder. Then 2 Chronicles 16.9 was last week's verse. This verse is a great reminder. And it becomes even, an even greater reminder as you read it in all of its context. About how a king was looking for help everywhere else except for God. For the eyes of the Lord run to and from and throughout the whole, throughout the whole earth. Give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. These verses remind us of our need. They remind us of God's provision. They remind us of, his, um, of just all the amazing ways that he works. Over the next three weeks, starting today and over the next three weeks, the, uh, the fighter verse plan has Philippians 3, 7 through 11 as the uh, as the memory verses so this week is seven and eight next week is nine the following week is 10 and 11 this morning we're going to focus on um the verses seven and eight now we're going to keep this active participation going as we read seven through 11 okay so you corrected your bulletins correct that's that's one thing if you get enough you might get a prize after the service no you won't but This is the next active participation. I want everyone to do this. Okay? And we practiced something like this last Sunday night with Paul Vandermeer leading the singing. And we were, you know, waving our fingers. So um, here's what I want you to do. Every time as I'm reading this, I want you to follow my lead. Every time Jesus' name comes up, we're going to count them off. Ready? So this is it. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss. Because of Christ. Everybody, I need to see everybody. One finger. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. And now here's a tricky one. For whom, the whom is a pronoun and it's talking about Jesus. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I don't see people's fingers. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. If somehow I may attain to resurrection from the dead, ten times, five verses, ten times. In the two verses before this, Paul is going through all of his qualifications. Very similar to what Pastor Brett talked about last week. I'm a Jew. I'm a a Jew of Jews. I'm from the tribe. And he's going through all of his qualifications. But here's the amazing thing. Paul lists all of those things out in 4 and 5. And then he comes back to this. But whatever things were gained to me. But all of these things. I count them as loss. And then he goes, I have it written down here in bold. In the two verses before this, Paul lists them personal qualifications and achievements. And then he writes, but Jesus, 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 Jesus. May that our hearts, our lives be that. I have all of these things, but Jesus, Jesus, I don't need to say it 10 times, but you, you understand what I'm saying. But Jesus, this morning, we're going to talk about this very significant, life-changing name and person, Jesus. And as, a, as we go, I'm going I'm to pray. Right now, but I, I want to specifically, in my prayers, I'm going to be praying uh, for the Mayos. They shared some prayer requests just with Sue uh, going through some uh, cancer treatment things and uh, through March and just some of the ministry stuff that they have. So I just want you to be aware of that as I'm praying. Uh, let's just be praying for this week's um, uh, missionaries, Sue and uh, Steve Mayo. So let me pray. Lord God, we are thankful. We're thankful for so many blessings that we have. We're thankful for this church. We're thankful for friends and and family. We're thankful for um, your word. We're thankful for opportunities that you give us to to know and grow uh, in our relationship with others. But we especially want to thank you for Jesus Christ. Pray that this morning this message would be all about him. That our lives would be all about him. And, God, we just want to thank you uh, for the, the people in this room that are striving and in many ways, in so many ways, not perfectly, but in and, and your seeking your wisdom, your strength, your help, striving to make much of you. God, we just want to pray for the Mayo's. As they serve in Australia and down in that area. We just want to pray that you would help them with the, the church plant projects. Seminary things that they have going on. The sending missionaries from there out to other places. And we also want to just pray for, for Sue's health. We pray that you would help her. Um, help, help Steve and just uh, help them and encourage them as they're, they're serving you there. Help and encourage us as we are serving you here in grand rapids and we just want to pray all these things in jesus name amen okay and looking at the verses that we we've looked at i want you to know this we are going to focus most of our time this morning by most i mean almost all on seven and the first part of eight Okay, the first part of eight, I'll give you some things with that last part of eight and give you some resources to take home and, and do uh, some things with the other ones. But our main focus, so if you're looking at this saying, the, the sermon's supposed to be on 7 through 11, and we're not very far in. This is going to be a long day. 7 and 8 is where our focus is, okay? So, let's, let me read those, those verses again. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I've counted as loss because of Christ— More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ. There's another connection I want to make with this passage, not just the fighter verse. um, Because verse seven begins with, but whatever things. But whatever things. We should look back and see if there is a connection with the previous section. This connection in last week's sermon are very similar. If you remember what last week's sermon was, it was Acts 22. It was Paul's uh, sharing his testimony. And he's sharing what God had had done and is doing in Paul's life. And um, as we remember that, let's look at Philippians 3. Verses four through six. Okay, so let's let's go ahead there um, to the couple of verses right before Philippians, the the main passage we're looking at this morning. Philippians three, four through six says this, although I myself could boast as having confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found, what's it say there? Flawless, blameless. From an earthly testimony, that's, that's a lot of good stuff at that time. In last week's uh, sermon, Pastor Brett told us what our testimonies are as we share them and what they're not. Each week in the class that I'm teaching, um, downstairs this quarter, um, and on a recent podcast that Richard Van Vels and I did, um, we've been trying to do the same thing. As you read through um, Acts 22, and you listen, if you listen to last week's sermon or you go back and listen to it, you'll see this. Who you were, I was part of that what God did the but God part of it and how it has changed you the and now part of it. As we think about this that part of four through six is that I was I was all of these things. And then we get to the passage that we're looking at this morning. And if you if you even go to keep your fingers right there in uh, in Philippians, because we're coming back to that. But just turn back to 22 Acts 22. And in this passage. He's talking about all these things in three through five, 22, three, three through five. He's talking about all these things. I am a Jew. I was born in this city. I persecuted the way I did these things. But look at verse six. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noon. Here's his conversion. Here's his God got a hold of his life. Here is the, but God, I was doing all of this. Relying on myself, but God. Now we go back to Philippians 3. And you have the same kind of structure there. 4 through 6, all of these things. But then 7. But whatever things. We see this. God got a hold of his life. But because of what God did through Jesus Christ, Paul counted everything that he valued before as a loss. In Paul's life and testimony, this happened on the Damascus Road. In my life and testimony, this happened at a middle school camp. In your life and testimony, it could be anywhere. I shared, um, and I just have to share this in teaching a class, when the lead pastor comes in and sits down, it's like you've got your notes and you've got things that you're going to say, and he picks the most inopportune time to come in and sit. And listen, I was getting ready to make this statement, and Pastor Brett comes in and sits down, and we were joking about it afterwards. I, I, I was beginning to say, I'm going to say something that sounds very heretical, but it's not. Listen to me. And then Pastor Brett walks in and sits down. Doesn't even hear the clarification thing. I said there are many ways to Jesus, <laughs> and everyone in this room agrees with that statement. I will tell you this: that it, it is true. Jesus is the one way, but there are many ways to Him. Because, and then I asked this. And sorry, class, for if you're in here and you've seen, how many of you were saved at twelve years old at camp? Anybody? So each of you has a different story than me. So there's at least two ways. If you all were saved the same exact way and I was saved different. There are many ways that we come to know who Jesus is. God uses different circumstances. He uses different places. All of these things. I want you to understand this. I tell you all of that to say I was saved at 12 at a camp. You've probably been saved. um, if If you're a child of God, you've been saved a different way. I heard in seminary, I was working at a rescue mission and I was a chaplain and I went to a chaplain training time and people were sharing their testimonies. And I'm just going to tell you this, we're in this big circle and everybody's going around sharing their testimonies. And most of the guys, actually almost all of the guys were former rescue mission clients, guests, whatever. And they're going around sharing their testimony and it's coming up on me and I'm going, I got to think of something better. Saved at 12 at camp. guy a couple before me, he says, he says this, and he said, My story is similar to Paul's. It began on a road just like Paul. He was, I was walking down the road, and I saw a bright light. But unlike Paul, I was drunk, and the bright light was a car coming at me. I ended up, I don't remember anything else. I ended up in the hospital. And from that point on, God used circumstances to draw me to himself and help in my recovery. It's coming up on me. I was at a camp meeting. Anything else? Anything exciting? Like, you know, you going down a water slide and there was like a, like a light shining. No, no, nothing else. I was at a camp hearing a sermon. But each of these stories, Paul's, that guy at the rescue mission, mine, is a story of God's amazing grace. And none of them Is a lesser salvation. We've all been saved from sin. Into a new life in Christ. So as we think about this. As we think about this idea of this amazing grace. This. What we have. um, This third part of the testimony is. Is and now. So. Go ahead to the next slide there. Um, Sorry, I must have them out of order there. Um, Let me me just go here. It says, now I continue to count all things. Oh, no, no, it's not. I'm I'm a little bit ahead of myself here. Uh, Daily, Paul continues to consider all the things to be lost compared to knowing Jesus. The amazing work that God did through Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus has dramatically impacted every day of Paul's life since then. The fact that uh, the amazing work that God did through Jesus Christ when I understood it, that camp dramatically influenced me every day of my life since then. There is a continuous counting and striving and fighting to know Jesus more and more and more and live for him. So as we've done a quick overview of seven and eight, I want us to, uh, Think about what, what, what's going to come up here. We've done a quick overview of this. We're going to look at these two verses in and of themselves. Seven, Verse 7 says, But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost because of Christ. This but whatever shows a dramatic change. Paul is not saying these things are bad. These previous things aren't bad. It's not bad to be Jewish. It's not bad to be of the certain tribe. It's not bad to get teaching. It's not bad. He's not saying these things in Acts 22 that Pastor Brett talked about are bad. I want you to understand this. I am not saying that church attendance or church service or being raised in a Christian family is bad. Paul is saying, and I want to remind you, putting your hope in these things, putting your hope in them. That's the problem. Putting your hope in things like religious success, a a racial inheritance, or your your Christian service. Putting your hope in those things, that is wrong. That is sinful. And looking at his life, Paul did the calculations. Whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted. He, He did the calculations. And he realized, in light of eternity... His works and earthly treasures were a loss because of who Christ is and what Christ did for God's glory and our good. Do you, do you see the seriousness of, of this statement? These whatever things were not just nothing. Paul realized that they were a loss. These things, it wasn't just like, I'm going to get rid of these, this is the ground zero. He, he realized these things were not just zero sum. They were leading him down A road that he did not want to go. Having your hope in stuff. Is deceptive. And it leads to hell. As I think about this. I can imagine a person with his arms filled with junk. You know. You just got all this stuff. And you're kind of walking around. And you come up and there's this table right here. So I've got my arms full of junk. And as I think about that, I'm walking, I see this table, and on that table, there is the one thing that I truly need for life and joy. And the person comes to to the realization, in order to get that one thing, I have to put down all of this junk. Walking around the table... Looking at the one needed thing on the table, looking at all the junk. Paul dropped all of those whatever things and passionately picked up the one needed thing. That thing which is not a thing at all, it's Jesus Christ think about another person in the same situation, all the junk in his hands comes to the one, the table with the one thing, looking at the table, looking at the things, looking at the table, looking at the things. And he looks at the one thing, his head drops and he walks away with his junk. the rich young ruler in Mark 10, 17 through 22. He held on to his self-righteousness because if you think about it, when Jesus asked him, have you obeyed all the commands? His confident answer is, I've done all of that. I've done it all. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to. So even in that answer, there's this whole, uh, I've done it. And he's holding on to his earthly goods. And when Jesus says to him, Go and sell all, your possess, all you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Do you know what his response was? Do you remember what his response was in the passage? The rich young ruler was deeply dismayed and went away grieving with all of his things. The whatever things or the one needed thing. Some of you may know the story of Jim Elliott. Uh, who in here knows the story of Jim, Jim Elliott? Missionary to Ecuador. Um, amazing story. He ends up going uh, to an unreached people group. Uh, they, they have all these plans. They do all of these things. They end up touching down in a plane. And they, uh, he and uh, several of his missionary partners are killed there. Jim Elliott was a missionary killed taking the gospel to an unreached people group in Ecuador. His life and death and something he wrote in his journal challenged a generation of missionaries and continues to challenge people. This is the famous quote. And you, can't, you probably can't read it there, but this is like his actual journal. So someone had it. They took a picture of it here. This is it. And here circled in red or underlined in red, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Even more than Jim, uh, Jim Elliot's inspirational quote here. And this uh, Jim Elliot's a great story. um, Amazing story. I'd tell you if you, if you, if if you like biographies, read his biography. If you don't like biographies, read his biography. Um, just a good good challenge for, for you in thinking of that. But even more than Jim Elliot's inspirational quote, there is an Old Testament example that demonstrates this point. It's Lot's wife in Genesis 19. Now follow me with this. So we go Paul, Jim Elliot, Lot's wife. What's, what's the connection here? Back um, when in uh, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Lot and his family are, are leaving. The, Sodom is going to be destroyed. It's going to be judged and destroyed there. Lot's wife looks back. Do you remember what happens to her? What happens to her? She turns into a pillar of salt. When w- Lot's wife looks back, there is a longing for the world, for life in Sodom, for the things that she's losing there. And there's a judgment that comes. She loves the stuff of this world more than God. Now, you may be saying to yourself, wait a second. Seems like some uh, biblical gymnastics to get from Paul, Jim Elliot, to Lot's wife in all of this. It's a stretch. Comparing Paul's looking back on his past life to Lot's wife looking back on Sodom. Do you know where I got that quote about saying Lot's wife loves the stuff of this world? Do you know where I got that line from? Okay, before I tell you, there are several commentaries that make this same connection. And I want to read another line from this much respected theologian and scholar who said Lot's wife loves the stuff of this world. Those who live earthbound complacent lives will be shown to not belong to God. People who desire anything over Christ exhibit that their hearts belong to something other than Christ. Those who live an earthbound, complacent life will be shown to not belong to God. People who desire anything over Christ exhibit that their hearts belong to something other than Christ. Has anyone ever heard that before? Many of you have, because that brilliant scholar and theologian was Pastor Brett on October 11th, 2022, when he was preaching from Luke 17. Even more important than a commentator saying it, a martyred missionary saying it, our own pastor saying it, is the fact that you know who made that connection between Lot's wife and pursuing the things of this world? Jesus, Jesus did. Jesus said, as he's talking about the second coming, he's teaching on the second coming. All of a sudden, all this teaching about one day this person will go, this person will stay, you know, all these things. And he goes, remember Lot's wife. She desired the things of this world. As we think about this, whoever strives to save his life will, what? Lose it. And whoever loses his life will keep it. This Old Testament example is used to challenge people to consider where their focus is. Because Jesus is coming again. And this should impact how we live. Once again, Philippians 3, 7 says, But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost because of Christ. Can you think back to a time when you looked at your life and realized, I can't live this life in my own strength. I need Jesus. There may be an exact date that you remember. How many of you? And, and I want to take a little bit of a survey here. If, if you are a child of God and you are saved, you remember the exact date that you were saved. Ra- raise your hand if you, if you remember the exact date. If you remember, you don't remember the exact date, but you kind of remember the circumstances around it, things like that. How many of you would be in there? You know, I, I know the moment it happened, but I can't remember the exact date. You may not remember an exact date. You may not uh, remember a specific event, but some of you in here, you know that one day you were living for yourself. And God saved you. And then you were living for Jesus. There's a difference in your desires and things. And that's that there was one day. It was one thing. Another day. It was another, uh, another thing. And there was the but God did this. As I remember, there was a time in my past when I stopped relying on who I was and what I did. I don't remember what the speaker at that camp was talking about. I don't remember the Bible passage. I don't remember the theme of that camp at all. But I do remember this. On that day, I realized I could not live this life in and of my own strength. I needed Jesus. It's a past change that I look back on today and I remember So as we think about this, but whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted. If you think about even the tense of this, Paul's looking back, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as a loss. He's looking at those things from his past and there's a loss. Then we go to this. That was a great day when I was saved. More than that. Even, but even more than that, the, the construction of this more than that phrase is like five words put together. And it's just meant to be a real emphasis. But even more than that, look at what verse 8 says. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's this sense of, I did this, and now I'm doing this every day. It's like a daily thing. Daily, I count all the things. As things are coming at me, I'm looking at this going, is this going to help me pursue Christ? The verb tense here, it's present tense. Paul wrote this years after he was converted. And he says, I count." I look back and I see, I'm I'm thankful for what God did there. And uh, every day, what God did back there impacts me every day. I counted the cost then, I'm counting the cost today. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ more. Today and every day, I count all things, everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, this is not a, you need to hate everything. Disregard for family, disregard for career, disregard for all of these things. It's the idea of your hope. Are you hoping in those things? Daily, I consider what I have in Christ because of Christ. Do you know what the most important, amazing thing that I have in Jesus is? Him. And then on top of that, I just get so many extra things that I don't deserve. Every commentary I was using had a very similar idea in their writings about this passage and about writing uh, and about knowing Jesus. I want to take just a couple of minutes to share some of these from my study. These are from men who say what I'm trying to say so much better, and this knowledge is so much more than what we think, or what, and it's more about what we pursue. It's about head. It's not just about head knowledge. It's about heart knowledge. So, so listen to these quotes. Okay. So I want to make sure they're ready back there because we're going to go through these very fast. John MacArthur, to know. To know is more than facts about someone. It's an intimate experience. Robert Gramacchi. Sinners must know something to be saved, and they also must know someone intellectually and experientially. Uh, Thomas Constable. This knowledge is different from the knowledge we gain through objective academic study, though information is part of our growing personal knowledge of Christ. Uh, Expositor's Bible Commentary. Intimate communion with Christ that began at his conversion and had been this experience all the years since. This was Paul's testimony. Uh, Matthew Henry. Um, they're going faster than me. Uh, a believing experimental acquaintance with Christ as our Lord. J.C. Ryle. There's a wide difference between mere head knowledge and experimental thoughts on Christ. Gordon Fee. Knowledge that has to do with personal experience and intimate relationship. Go did the next one. So they can't read this one. There are some of you in this room right now that are frustrated that I didn't give you time to write all those quotes down or some of them. I want you to understand this. That was an experiment. My wife, and I'm just going to be honest here. She said, you got a lot of quotes right there. And I said, yes, but we're going to do it different than like giving you time to write them all down. All of those quotes, you could write them down. You could have them in your notebooks. You could memorize them. But if you don't understand what they're saying, you just wasted paper and ink. If you're wondering why we went through those so quickly and I didn't give you any time to write them down, here's the point. You don't need to know each of those quotes. You don't even need to have them written down. You do do need to know and treasure and love Christ in your heart. The way that these quotes describe. I pray in reading through those quickly, and even just contemplating what they say, that would stir your heart to know Christ more. And his devotional on um, morning and evening on for October fourteenth. This is Charles Spurgeon's devotional, morning and evening, October fourteenth. He writes about Philippians three eight, and I just want to share what he uh, some of the things that he says here. And these are going to stay up here so you can write these down because these are really good for you to think about. The knowledge that we have of Christ. It's a personal knowledge. The knowledge that you have isn't a, it's through someone else. It's personal. It has to be yours. I cannot know Jesus through another person's acquaintance with him. It's also an intelligent knowledge. I must know him not as the visionary dreams of him, But as the word reveals him, I must know his nature. Uh, Nature is divine and human. I must know his offices. I need to know him and grow in my knowledge of him. It will be an affectionate knowledge of him. An ounce of heart knowledge is worth a ton of head learning. Our knowledge of him will be a satisfying knowledge. When I know my savior, my mind will be filled to the brim. I shall feel that I have that which my spirit pants after the same time it will be an exciting knowledge the more I know of my beloved the more I shall want to know that's the knowing God he concludes this devotional by saying this knowledge of Christ will be a most happy one in fact so elevating that sometimes it will completely bear me up above all trials and doubts and sorrows and it It will, while I enjoy it, make me something more than a man that is born of woman who is a few days and full of trouble. For it will, uh, it will fling about me the immortality of my ever living Savior and gird me with the girdle of his eternal joy. Man, I'd love to write like that. But even more than that, I would love to live like that. This last part of verse eight, and I told you we were going to focus mainly on the, the verse seven and the first part of verse eight. So we're, we're kind of coming to a conclusion here. But this last part of verse eight emphasizes what has been said in verse seven and the first part of eight. There's so much more than just counting moving items from a loss column to a gain column. Paul forfeited these things. This idea of for whom I have suffered the loss. I want you to understand this. Paul had been building into this life. And it's not an easy, I'm going to change from this to this. There's a fight. How many of you, and you don't need to raise your hand for this, because I know everyone in here is, even if you don't know it. How many of us fight sin today? It's a battle. What's the name of the the memory plan? Fighter versus the idea of fighting sin. Paul forfeited these things that had been holding on to him. uh, That he had been holding on to and building into. Today's fighter verse devotional for for verses 7 and 8 reminds us that this is not easy. The only way this is possible, this giving up, is in the strength of the Lord. Calling out to him. God did this. God does this work. Which is why we can sing with our voices here this morning. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Paul does not just forfeit things that he's been holding on to. He what? He considers them mere. Everybody has to say this word together. Rubbish. We got to say it, right? Mere. Rubbish. It's just a word that you have to say like a certain way. We might think of this. I told that story earlier about junk. This word rubbish this is not just the idea of junk. You know, the idea of junk sometimes is like I'll be cleaning out something and I'll throw it away and somebody comes by and they go, hey, that's not junk. I could use that. You ever have that happen? If you haven't had it happen to you, then you're the person that's taking it. You're I've never had it. That's because you keep everything. This idea of rubbish is it is so clearly not worth keeping. I want to be graphic for a moment here. Many commentaries talk about the fact that this is the idea of animal excrement, animal waste. Nobody looks at that and goes, Hey, I want to keep that. You know, somebody's around picking up the, you know, the, the in the bag they're carrying around their dog's waist, and somebody goes, Hey, I want that. That's strange. That is clearly not something that you want to store. That's what Paul is considering these things. I don't want them. They're rubbish. It's waste. Hope in these whatever things is worthless and detestable. I bring this up briefly at the end here. To show you that each of us has a gutter to glory story. Have you ever heard that phrase? A gutter from the gutter to glory. When we tell our story. Or we listen to another story. We need to remember the glory. We need to focus on what God is doing. All too often we get caught up in. Man my story is not as good as somebody. You know what? Your story is as good. Because God did it. God saved you. The emphasis is not on the. I was it's on the but now and God is doing this. The emphasis is on. You can can do this with me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Think about Paul, the way he did that. I had all these things, but Jesus 10 times. That's the way that we said that is the way we need to live our lives. Just a couple of things as, as we close here. The fighter verse resources for this week are seven and eight. Next week they talk about nine and the following week they talk about 10 and 11. I want to challenge you to think about memorizing those passages, posting them around your house as you continue to treasure Christ and, and learn how to treasure him more and more. Um, we'll be sending. I'll be sending out some resources and sharing some things on the kids page. You can go to fighterverses.com, all of those things. But I also want to, let you know two other things here in in closing the last weekend in May. And this is going to sound like an an announcement and in one way it is, but even more than that, it's something else on January 28th. We're going to have a young adults, single and married worship time together. It's great to gather together here Sunday mornings and, and worship God. And we've set up this opportunity for a specific group of people in our church to come together and gather and worship God because it's great to be together. On the Sunday of January 29th, during the morning service, it's going to be a kids in church Sunday. And what that means is the first through fifth graders are up here with their parents. We're going to have notes. I'm going to work with Pastor Brett. We'll have some things there for them. Because it's good for our kids to worship with us. And, and some parents might go, my kid doesn't do a very good job at listening. Here's the here's lowest common denominator. If they at least see you passionately singing and worshiping God and listening to the word being preached, That's teaching right there. That's teaching right there. And that's why we're doing that on the 28th and the 29th for just the young young adults and for the kids and helping them just to to gather together. Those are two specific things here. But even more than that, beyond 2050 Aberdeen, we don't have music playing here at the end. We're not going to sing a song together. Because I want each of us to know that we need to leave this place singing of the great things that God has done in our lives and the greatest thing, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I want to pray that you would help us to remember what a great God you are. Help us to remember that you are amazing and you have done so many great things, the greatest of which is sending your son to glorify you, to save us. I pray that you would help us to, to count all the things of this world as rubbish compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ more and more. I pray that you would help us to do that individually. I pray that you would help us to do that as families. I pray that you would help us to do that as a church, that we would know you more and encourage one another to know you more. And God, I just want to pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed, and may your lives be a a hymn of God's grace as you go from here.